everybody. It's good to, uh, to see you here. If you're joining us for your live stream, good to have you with us as well. Um, it is uh, such a joy to be here, just to think about Good Friday, to think about uh, Jesus Christ, not only about his life, but also his death. And uh, through his death, we have forgiveness of sins, we have eternal life. Uh, through his death, he has destroyed the works and the power of the devil. And so through his death, we have uh, been set free from the dominion of sin so that we can become instead children of the living God. And so it is a joy just to come this evening and to just give a little bit more attention than perhaps we normally do uh, on the death of Jesus Christ. And so I pray and hope that we might consider these things together, uh, that we might be encouraged anew and be uh, also uh, strengthened as well as we uh, give our time and our hearts and our minds to thinking about the death of Jesus Christ. And so to begin, let me just open us up in a word of prayer and then we'll uh, sing a song to worship the Lord. Jesus, uh, we, we gather here because of the reality of your death. And even though there are incredible, bountiful blessings that we receive through your death, blessings that we today rejoice over and celebrate, but this evening, we want to think about the, the price that was paid for us to receive so many blessings and so much more when we come into your presence one day. Father, would you help us this evening uh, to give our hearts and our minds to, to remembering the death of Christ to remembering the death of the Son of God. And so help us, Lord, by your Spirit, to, to glory in the cross, to worship Jesus for what he has done for us and paying the debt of our sins. Lord, and that you might be honored and glorified as we consider these things. And let us not leave here just thinking that this was something that just happened many years ago, but let us also leave here living in the reality of the death of Jesus Christ, that the death of Jesus might continue to affect us and transform us. And so we thank you for this opportunity. We entrust this, uh, this, this time to you, and it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And church, let's stand and worship this morning. Sing a familiar song, Nothing But the Blood. Let's sing together. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin. Nothing can for sin atone. 
nothing but the blood of Jesus, not a good act I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus, and oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as snow, no other I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Cause the blood. Cause the blood of Jesus is enough for me. Oh, the blood of Jesus is enough. Cause the blood. Because the blood of Jesus is enough for me. Oh, the blood of Jesus is enough. And this is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as snow. Don't water that I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Precious is the blow that makes me white as snow. No other that I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Before we continue, Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, where God says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen.
You would turn with me to Luke 23. Luke 23 will be reading verses 44 to 46. Luke 23, verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for the precious gift of the life of your Son. Lord, help us to look to Jesus this evening. Even though we certainly worship a a Christ, a Savior who is living right now, Help us for the brief time that we have this evening to also remember that Christ Jesus died for sinners. Would you help us this morning and help us to understand what that might mean for us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. When I was back in high school, I had this book that was really precious to me. I bought it with my own money and had limited edition. It was a hologram cover. And I brought it to school and showed it off to one of my good friends. And he thought it was really cool as well. So several weeks later, he asked to borrow the book. And back then, I didn't let anybody borrow anything. But my friend didn't give me any indication, having known him for quite some time, uh, that he would be somebody to not, to not be trustworthy. So I lent it to him, and I said, listen, I want this back in the condition in which I lent it to you. So he said, yes, he agreed. And so I lent it to him, and several weeks later, you can probably assume or guess what happened. He returned the book back to me, and the cover had, had, had folds in it. Uh, there were stains on several pages of the book, and needless to say, I was really, really upset. 
And so at that point, I had never let him borrow anything of mine. And I think he pretty much understood, knew never to ask me to borrow anything. And we've all, I'm sure, have, have had similar experiences of lending somebody something that, was, that we cared about and then to have it returned to us in a very different condition. We've had sort of our trust of the person not meet those expectations. Or maybe you've lent something to someone or have entrusted or committed something to someone more important, more precious than the book that I thought was precious to me. Maybe it was... You shared something with someone and trusted that person with particular feelings or thoughts, desires, and somehow were left feeling incredibly, incredibly disappointed and have probably have thought to yourself, I regret entrusting or committing this unto this person. And perhaps you've had experiences like that with God. Right? God calls us, the Lord calls us to give our lives unto him. That means everything, and perhaps you've had the experience of giving your life unto the Lord or particular desires or things unto God and have been left disappointed, maybe have been filled with regrets. Maybe even feeling like you've made a mistake. We consider Jesus, Jesus in his giving his life for us. Jesus, his purpose was to do the Father's will. From beginning to end. And while you and I may never know what to expect when we give our lives unto the Lord and everything that entails and what God might do with our lives, Jesus knew exactly what to expect when he committed his life unto God. He gave his life to follow the loyal of the Lord, which led him to come down from heaven, to then enter into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, enter into the last hours of his life, and ultimately to his own death by crucifixion. So as we consider the death of Jesus Christ this evening, I have just one point for our consideration, and that is giving up that which is precious. Giving up that which is precious and committing it unto God. The Bible makes clear to us that every transgression of God's moral law is a debt that has to be paid. The Bible makes clear to us in passages such as the book of Romans that God's moral law is in every human conscience, that everybody knows exactly what is right and what is wrong. People know that murder is wrong, that stealing is wrong, that lying is wrong. And it's all there because God placed it there. We see the moral law of God in the Ten Commandments, which also add, I have no other gods before me. Do not make for yourself any idol. The Bible makes clear that every transgression, every sin is a debt that has to be paid unto God. So every time you've ever lied or have stolen, it's a debt that has to be paid unto God. And Jesus, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, not only points to the letter of the law, but also to the spirit of the law. And it tells us, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery, but, I've also said to you, but I also say to you that if you even look at another person with lustful intent, you've committed adultery with that person in your heart. And he says also, right, you shall not murder, but he also, I say to you, he says, that if you are even angry with your brother, you are liable to judgment. 
Colossians 2.13 speaks of this debt where it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Everyone has a record, but that no one is innocent before the eyes of a holy God. And that there is this record of debt that stands against every single human being because of their debt of sin. Romans 8.3, it says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And there's a righteous requirement, a righteous requirement that God himself had set, a righteous requirement that God expects everyone to follow, but no one does, which leads to a debt of sin that has to be paid unto God. And the purpose of Christ's death was to pay the debt of sin that we owed unto God for all of our transgressions. And as a result of Christ's payment for the debt of our sins on the cross, Right, we're forgiven of our sins when we place our faith upon Jesus Christ so that that record of sin is gone. It's erased. And more than that, it's replaced with the righteousness of Christ. Right, there's then a new record that points to righteousness. A righteousness doesn't come from us, but a righteousness that comes through Christ. So Jesus fulfills God's plan to go to the cross to pay the debt of sin that you and I owed unto God because of our transgressions. It's for this reason that God, or that Christ, or Jesus, who is God, commits his spirit unto God. It was all according to God's plan. Right, so God essentially delivered Jesus over unto death. The hands of sinful men ultimately delivered Jesus unto the hands of Pilate, who had the authority to either release Jesus or crucify Jesus. But we know, according to the Scriptures, that Pilate delivered over Jesus to crucifixion. So we had the hand of God, we had the hand of sinners, we had the hand of Pilate, all bringing Jesus over to deliverance, to, 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 to crucifixion. But at the, the same time, though, Jesus had always a choice to make. Nothing he did was forced upon him. Nothing he did was against his will. Jesus had a choice to make at every single step of the way. And if you read the accounts of Jesus' crucifixion, Right, there are people there who are crying out and saying, if he is the Son of God, then let him save himself. Let him come down from the cross. And Jesus certainly could have. Even a criminal next to him said, save yourself and us if you are the Son of God. Matthew 27, 43, the religious teachers say he trusts in God as they look up at Jesus crucified to the cross. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. He says he is the Son of God, so then let's see. Let's see if God will actually deliver him. And at any moment, Jesus could have done, come down from the cross. At any moment, God, even himself, could have saved Jesus from the cross. 
God could have commanded Jesus to simply come off the cross and Jesus would have followed. God could have sent a legion of angels to come and rescue Jesus from the cross, but God did not. Jesus himself had a choice to make. He could have come down from the cross himself because he had the power to do so and he did not. He could have called a legion of angels to come and rescue him and he did not. But instead, what we see here, what we read in the Gospels, what we read in our passage this evening is that instead of doing all of those things, instead of making the choice to save himself, he commits his spirit unto God. He gives his life unto God. As I said, you've probably had the experience of committing something unto someone that you trusted and have been left disappointed. Perhaps even feeling that way or have had that experience towards God. And have even questioned yourself, can I trust God after entrusting him with this or giving this unto the Lord? Jesus does this. Jesus commits his life unto God. Not only does he commit his life unto God, but he, he's also entrusting God with his life. We don't really know whether or not somebody can actually be trusted until we actually do trust that person. Right? It's one thing to say, I trust you. It's another thing to actually put that trust to the test. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he had several experiences that led him to believe that God is certainly trustworthy. Matthew 3, 16, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God ascending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. There was a transfiguration when Jesus brought James, John, and Peter up on the mountain and Jesus was transfigured before them. They saw a glimpse of the glory of the divinity of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, God once again affirmed his love for his son. There are other moments as well, like the raising of Lazarus, the raising of dead men who was, had been in the tomb for four days. And Jesus says unto God, I am saying this because I want people to hear. So that people might know that you do certainly hear me. And then he calls out Lazarus from the tomb, and Lazarus has no choice but to obey the voice of the Son of God. And therefore, proving that God listens to Christ. But now, here is Jesus at the end of his life. Here is Jesus at the cross. And now it is time to put that trust into action. Throughout his entire life on earth, he had every reason to trust in God. And now it is time to see whether or not God is actually trustworthy. And we'll focus on the resurrection in a couple days, but let it suffice to say what it says in Hebrews 5, 7. To tell us whether or not God is trustworthy. In Hebrews 5, 7, it tells us that in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. We know that's not a reference to Jesus at the actual cross, because we know that God actually did not deliver Jesus from the cross at that moment of his crucifixion. But we know that it means something else. 
tells us that God heard the prayers and the supplications and the cries and the tears of Jesus from the cross. And certainly God hears the prayers of everyone. And if anyone lifts up their prayers unto God, God hears. But God is not always inclined to respond to the prayers of everyone. God is inclined to listen and to respond to the prayers of his children who are so by faith in Jesus Christ. And the word heard there in Hebrews 5 is not only telling us that God just happened, just listened or heard the prayers of Jesus, but know that God also answered the prayers of Jesus. And three days later, when Jesus was risen again from the dead, So we see that God was absolutely someone to trust. Jesus gave his entire life to follow the will of the Lord, to walk according to the plan of God, to preach the gospel, to teach, to heal, to deliver, and ultimately to go to the cross and die according to the plan of God. And that he did this not only for according or for the purpose of God and the plan of God, but he also did this for you. That Christ Jesus went to the cross and instead of delivering himself, he stayed there, committed and entrusted his life unto God in order to save you and I from our sins. Then having considered Christ's death for our sins, and is entrusting his precious life unto God, let us also consider the giving up of ourselves unto God. Christ Jesus tells us in the Gospels that if anyone would come and follow him, that they must give up their lives, they must deny themselves, take up the cross daily, and to follow Jesus. And Jesus does not expect or demand anything from anyone that he himself has not done already. If Jesus commands people to lay down their lives to follow Jesus, it's because Jesus had laid down his life to save sinners. And Jesus expects nothing less. And yet how often do we neglect to give up certain things unto the Lord? How often do we come before God with an open hand and say, God, here is my life, while holding another hand back from him? When Jesus says, no, I don't want just one. No, I want both. I want all of your life. I want everything. And Jesus does not demand that kind of a cost without paying the person back. And he promises this. He doesn't necessarily promise it here and now in the present, but he certainly does promise it in the resurrection. When we behold the Lord Jesus face to face. But until that time comes, the demand still remains. God commands us, the Lord commands us to give up everything and withhold nothing back in order to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So the question is, what things in your life might you be holding back from the Lord? What are those things that you might be keeping behind your back? God, I will commit this to you. God, I will entrust this to you, but not this. But how can we withhold anything from the Lord if the Lord Jesus himself came down from heaven, set aside his divinity and his worship in heaven to come down as God, wear human flesh, and die on the cross, giving all that up in order that you and I might be saved from our sins. And I get perhaps you have entrusted certain things unto the Lord and have been left disappointed, perhaps even have felt regret. And I can understand that. It's okay to be disappointed. But let us continue to fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Christ and remember what Christ gave up in order that we instead might have forgiveness of our sins, eternal life with God, the blessings of a family that comes from God. And certainly Jesus was heard and Jesus was blessed because he was the son of God, because he is God. But remember that through faith in Jesus Christ, you also are a child of the living God. God is certainly inclined to hear your prayers and is inclined to respond to your prayers. And Jesus tells us that if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father know to give good gifts to those who ask? Now, your definition of what a good gift is might be the same, might not be the same definition that God has. But at the end of the day, what matters is that God can be trusted. The Lord can be trusted. So whatever he might be calling you to give up in your life, you can trust him with it, knowing that he will be good to you. And that he is working all things according to the counsel of, of his will for those who love God. That he is working it all for your good. And remember that God, the Father, did you the most good by sending Jesus, the Son of God, his Son, into the world in order to die for you. The next time, if there ever comes a time when God, or maybe perhaps even this evening, if God is calling you to give up a certain thing in your life, and you're having trouble letting it go, remember what God was willing to give up in order to save you. And as the life of his precious son. If he would do that for you, can you not also entrust all of your life, everything that entails, unto the Lord, so that he might continue to be good to you? in the ways that he has determined to be good to you. So Christ Jesus gave his life for us. He remained on the cross, fulfilled the Father's plan, in order that we might be spared and forgiven of the record of sin that stood against us. So let us not only commit and give our lives unto the Lord, but let us also trust God with our lives as well because he is trustworthy. 
For Christ also had said in the Gospels that he would, who would save his life or he who would keep his life will lose it, but he who would give up his life to follow him will save it. And will save it unto eternal life. Amen. So let's pray. Lord, there are so many things in our lives that, that we hold dear. There are so many things in our lives that are just that are precious to us. Whether it's things we possess, whether it's plans that we have. But God... How can we not freely lay these things down at the foot of the cross when you have given up so much for us? Lord, help us to every day to lay down our lives to follow the Lord Jesus. Lord, show us what things in our lives we are withholding from you. Lord, and please give us the grace to be able to hand them over to you, to do according, for you to do according to your will. And as we do that, help us to remember the cross, to remember how good you have been to us already by sending your son into the world to die for our sins. So would you help us, Lord? It is not always easy to follow you. So we pray that for the grace to do so and help us to remember that you are trustworthy. Help us to remember your promises. Help us to remember that you have said that you will repay much more than what we have given up. So we thank you for these precious promises. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand and worship one more time together. In response of uh, today's message, that we remember the cross and the ultimate sacrifice that Christ uh, made for us. Together, men of sorrow.
Father. God, we worship you, Lord. Father, may we be a selfless people, Lord, as we entrust and commit, Lord, ourselves onto you, trusting all things, our whole life, to the saving power of the cross, Lord. Father, I pray that we may fix our eyes on Christ and the ultimate sacrifice, Lord, that was made for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you, O Father, for the hope that we now have in Jesus, your Son. And may we surrender all as you surrendered all for us. Today's benediction. It's out of 2 Corinthians, verses 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 14. The word of God is uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Church, God bless you. You're dismissed.